This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to do the second half of that conversation with Andy Plax from the Network Ninja team. Wonderful conversation. If you didn't catch the first half, you're going to see that in a previous episode. But in today's episode, with the second half of that interview, we really dive into you know how do agencies organize their data. And Andy and myself are in this unique position. We work with dozens of agencies, so we get to see dozens of methods and dozens of approaches. And I think you'll find a lot of value in, in hearing what we've seen across agencies there. And then also we get into this exciting world of AI and machine learning and uh, what role does it play in experiential and experiential data analysis, where do we think that's headed and the like. And finally, we wrap things up with Andy telling us a little about where the future is going to be for his team, what he's focused on with 20 years experience. The next 20 years, I'm sure he'll be in front of it. And he gives us some great information and ideas around the trends he's seeing around data management. So with that, let's dive right back into the interview. And we're going to start off with this idea of how agencies manage their data differently. So what, what are you seeing as the most common challenges people have? Like when, when you're working with a new client or when someone's starting to get themselves organized and they've got the resources allocated and they want to, they're an agency that wants to get their act together with data, what do you think is their biggest hurdle to start with? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the question that they ask themselves and, and in terms of ask us is, is how do we make this process as easy as possible for the field to do their job? Because we could build the best questions, we could build the best metrics, but unless that it makes it as possible for the person that might be untrained on a software application that you've hired uh, this morning, you know, and that uh, is really outgoing and a great person and knows the brand, but maybe is less knowledgeable about or has little to no knowledge of technology, how do we allow that person or people to best execute and, and answer and address? The questions are, you know, if it's for data collection, that they do what they want. If it's to answer specific kinds of questions, that they can deliver and ask what's needed of of the agency and the brand. So yeah. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle that we've seen. Because yeah. it's fairly easy, as you know, like you can adjust questions, you can adjust, you know, what, what the metrics are now, you know, almost on the fly in terms of yeah. what people ask or, hey, we have these new products out. But that's to us is how do we make that experience so that those people deliver what's required um, yeah. by the program. And that's hard for non, I mean, the thinking that I think you need to have to plan that out, if you've done analysis and if you've looked at dashboards and you know what you're trying to get to, mm-hmm. it's something that makes sense. But if you're not in that world of kind of thinking about the way the variables are going to come together, what the analysis is going to look like, it's really hard to think through. And, you know, one of the things I saw and I see is this idea of how do you structure the database? Like, is it that markets have campaigns and campaigns have event days and or campaigns have events and events have event days and event days have staff? You know, I mean, how do you how do you lay that out in a way that the hierarchy in a way that's going to make sense? And and I used to think there was one right way to do it. And I went through the process of doing it with an agency and it was tedious and we we did it collaboratively with a committee and we came up with what I thought was the Holy Grail and we, we implemented it. And then when I had the opportunity to see a different agency as a part of Portma, 
I realized that, and I, th- and I went into the table with that as the roadmap, I realized that right away, it's not going to be the same for every agency because different agencies, they have those special, unique things about them on how they bring their, their services to market that really impact what's going to be the best way for them to organize their database in a way that's going to be actionable and, and insightful for the tools and the analyses they want to do for their area of it. And I guess I, I wonder, has that been your experience also? Do you feel like it's there is a standard way that it should be done or is it is it going to be different each time? Yeah, I wish there was a standard way. I think what we realized is exactly what you have. You know, we thought, say, okay, like that 20 years ago example, okay, well, obviously we build it this way. And this is a large campaign. And so this must be how everyone does it. Yeah. And we dead wrong. Right. Like, and so I think what we realize is, is that although the gist is similar, you know, the job of, but what usually gives these, our customers a competitive advantage is what they do differently. Yeah. And that's what needs to reflect on the system that they use. Yeah. And even for your your market example, like what we've seen too, is you might have the, an agency use a market, but and it, you know maybe they use um, like a way of how they classify the country as an example. Yeah. Um, but in next month they get an RFP, they win the business, and then client two, the way that they have um, the country organized is completely different. Yeah, yeah. And the client doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, they you know, they, yeah. We have it this way, so that, but so um, they say, yeah, no problem. We'll take care of it. And then so that those are the things that you know that we. For us now, we you know it's it's a configuration and all that good stuff. But the gist is is that I think everybody does it differently. Yeah, um, you know, there's some similarities, but but I think in order for people to use it for the long haul, is it has to be flexible. Otherwise, it's a waste of investment. Yeah, yeah. I've always appreciated that with the tool that you guys built is that that flexibility because I mean we've worked together on with different agencies and different clients at the same time, and you look at one system. And the agency might be, you know, they're all about, we're going to do 10 stops across a uh, five-month period. And every stop is going to be just an amazing week-long blown-out experience. It's going to be three haulers to get there, and it's going to be awesome. And then you've got another agency that has the same logistics and data needs, but they're going to be like one weekend, we're going to be in 1,200 Best Buys and we're going to, you know what I mean, nail it from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. that Saturday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's such a different activation, such a radically different approach. And the agencies have such different, I don't want to say skill sets, but different capabilities. But at the end of the yeah. day, they've got to deliver the same kind of information to their client. And how you structure the database to deliver on those two different types of programs are very different. There tends to be some, some consistency within an agency more so than between the agencies, but still there's that diversity is so important to make it work. Exactly. I have to admit that I am not an expert on AI by any means. And uh, I am learning about the ways, the algorithms around machine learning and how they might apply to our world. And, and it's a more of a hobby that I'm studying passionately now than anything else. Yeah. Are you down that road further than I am? Like, what do you think is the role of AI in all this? What do you think is the role of, uh, is there a role for machine learning in what we, in what we do? I think what we've seen, and we apply it more in, in kind of um, 
the state projects that we were just describing earlier yeah. in terms of like we're looking at like if you look at uh, bankruptcy cases or specific legal cases in states and throughout the country, you can start to use AI or machine learning to make some educated decisions to best serve these these clients that are our customers. But yeah. to answer your question, I think for that to be effective and what we've seen for AI to be effective, that you have to deal with a massive amount of information, yeah. you know, millions and millions of records for it to be effective. Yeah. To your example, you know, we were talking about a little while ago about, you know, you have these events and you have all this criteria and you have, you can evaluate it, but it, there could be so many things that impact the success and failure of what you deem successful that it it's not just five events, 10 events, a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand. We've seen in terms of AI, you're dealing with millions and millions of records. Yeah. And so, so far, there's not like we've seen like a tangible way of how it's been applied. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about it and it's great and it's things that we can learn about. And But that's what we've seen in order for it to really be the tipping point of how it's used. Yeah. I think one area where where I see it is, is more back end stuff. It's how data moves around and what makes queries efficient and how do data lakes and data warehouses function to deliver that uh, that dashboard experience in a smooth user interface, regardless of uh, how much data is behind it. I think there's a role to help streamline it, those areas and fix some of the problems with how fast data can be analyzed with uh, machine learning. But I don't yet see it applied on the front end, you know what I mean, where how people are interpreting data yet. Exactly. The, the Internet of Things, like the, the role that beacons are playing and how that's a constant feed we still have a lot of work to do around how how that information is actionable. I think there's some ways, some problems it solves. There's a lot of problems it doesn't solve. But that idea of always on constant stream of information, how do you interpret that? That's where I think it's going to, we're going to see in the next couple of years, it plays a role. But other than that, I, I don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the best thing that when talking to our customers that have been like people like yourselves or people that have dedicated, you know, analytics teams is that, you know, I, at this point, what's really key is how do we standardize the information that's being stored yeah. with the end goal that in time, when that these AI tools are more accessible and, and usable for that, they can actually be applied. Otherwise it's a moot point because you don't have any information that you can report on yeah. and use machine for. Totally. So makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So what what are we going to see from you guys in the next uh, couple of years, five years, 10 years? What's down the road for the stuff you're working on? Anything you can give us any into? I think that the general, I mean, we've talked about this and then this is what you do so well, but you know, and I think in general is that no one to us is going to ask, well, how do I want to know less about what I'm doing? I want to have less data about, you know, what happened with this execution or this program. Yeah. So I, the, that it's only we're only seeing that you know to compare say ten years ago to five years ago to today that the significance of reporting is and, and our definition of reporting is a number of different things you know if it's from creating you know dashboards to automated emails to having a, a way to look at events and do historical analysis but we want to make this kind of put in the hands of both our users and non-users so that how do we make it as easy as possible for these people to digest what they're doing yeah. through the use of our system. So yeah. what we've seen a lot of is 
is it to make things a lot easier and automate tools so that they can do that yeah. without any additional effort on their side. Yeah. Cause they know what is needed. You know, people like, you know, it's not a matter of in terms of the metrics and, and what they want to track. It's just how do we make it so that rather than them having to build a manual report every Monday that takes eight hours to do and then next Monday comes and they repeat the process and so on. Yeah. How do we allow that to be completely automated based on the criteria that they need? And so for us, like all those things in terms of just making it easy for them to produce, to allow them to better analyze what they're doing without any additional effort. Because now that, you know, like they're storing staff information, account information, event information, activities, and there's so much because of that, then they can start to make some better decisions on how do they best serve their customers. But then also when talking to prospects and, and such that they can apply that same kind of knowledge to best serve them and hopefully give them a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Brilliant, man. Excellent. Well, this has been a, a, a lot of fun. I always enjoy working with you. I always enjoy speaking with you and, uh, and it's been great uh, being able to have this conversation. So where do people find you? Where do they find Network Ninja? Are you on social? What do you, how do you guys put yourself out there? Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, Chris. And thanks for, for having me. Probably the easiest way to, is it to go to uh, networkninja.com Good. and or maineventsoftware.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate your time. And, uh, and if you're listening and you're not a subscriber, I encourage you to subscribe. Anywhere you find podcasts, you'll be able to subscribe to Demystifying Data. I hope and I'm sure Andy hopes that you got a lot out of this conversation. And uh, I hope that you'll tune in for the next episode. Thanks a lot, Andy. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.